one time, um, my father, me and him were having a conversation. He's like, I never thought a son of mine would go to the, you know, go to Clemson mm-hmm. and do as well. And I was like, what makes you say that? He said, well, son, in my day, we couldn't go to the front door. Mm. Wow. And I was like, Wow. Welcome to Stuttering Your Way to Success with Eric Weir. I'm your host, Eric Weir. I'm the founder of WCM Global Wealth, author of Who's Eating Your Pie, and national motivational speaker. My life's work is helping people achieve any goal they set for themselves, no matter what gets in the way. So if you're ready to start living a productive and impactful life that will leave a legacy you can be proud of, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Eric Weir with Stuttering Your Way to Success, and thank you for joining me. Today, we're going to talk to my, my, my good friend, LaVon Kirkland. He's an NFL superstar, superstar in high school and college football. Mm-hmm. One of the few people who not only played all, all, all three levels, coached all three levels. He, he's an inspiration. He talks during the show about how to overcome obstacles, how, how to uh, face setback, how to face loss, how to come out stronger. And we're going to learn today how LaVon stuttered his way to success. I'm excited to have one of my dear friends here, uh, LaVon Kirkland, who I've known for about 15 years. I met LaVon, uh, I guess, pretty much when you retired from the NFL, right? Yeah, my first year retiring from the NFL, we Keisha decided that we should go to uh, Redemption. And that's kind of how we met. We met at Redemption. Right. We just yeah. kind of clicked mm-hmm. automatically. Yeah. So, so LaVon, uh, at that time, we were playing a lot of, uh, I guess it was like airsoft and paintball. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I remember LaVon came over to my house, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, we're going to play in the backyard, have some guys from church over. And I thought, yeah, how fast can LaVon be? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm down here, mm-hmm. and I'm like being passed by LaVon Kirk. <laughs> like, this guy is fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell me, I mean, you, you played college football, you played high school, you played, mm-hmm. you played pro. Uh, why don't you tell me about one of your favorite coaches and, and maybe how he taught you and, okay. and what you learned from him? Well, uh, God, I, I have a good bit of favorite coaches, but maybe three guys I could probably mention. And so if anybody else is hearing this, don't get mad that I didn't mention your name. I, I, I love all of you. Uh, probably my first uh, coach, Coach Terry Thiers, hmm. uh, my high school coach, because when I was a kid, I told myself I was going to play professional football. kind of manifested it. Hmm. And I never told anybody. And one day we were having a meeting, and it wasn't really a good meeting because I didn't I didn't uh, go to practice for a couple of days, and he <laughs> told me that I wasn't going to play in this jamboree, and I was kind of devastated. But he he also explained to me too that he said, you know what, uh, Levon, you have the ability to go to the next level, and mm-hmm. that was the first time I heard somebody wow. say it, and I was like, yeah, he believes it too. Okay, yeah, good. Okay. And so he was just like, but you got to commit to this game. Hmm. And from that point, I never missed another practice. Hmm. I really took football seriously. I I really just kind of, it was kind of like my first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So Terry Thiers was my mm-hmm. coach, one of my favorite coaches. And then Gene Chizik, mm-hmm. uh, because I was telling you guys that story about Gene Chizik. Uh, my redshirt year, I, I played pretty well, but I wasn't, I was making a lot of mistakes. Because the high school we came from, I mean, we just kind of went out there and say, hey, just play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, don't worry about coverages or anything like that. You go to high school, and it's like now you got it's coverages, it's cover two, cover three, man to man. When do you rush? When do you drop back? And sometimes I would get it right, sometimes I would get it wrong. One of my biggest plays in a game was I dropped back. I wasn't supposed to. I picked the interception, and I ran it back to the three-yard line. Oh, wow. And I remember uh, my coach was, you know, they had talked to you from my phone. He was up in the booth, and I was, he was, I was like, oh, yeah. I felt good. I grabbed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the phone, and I was like, what's up, coach? <laughs> and he said, hey, that's a great play. But your dumb ass is supposed to drop. <laughs> I'm supposed to rush. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Uh, so um, Gene says he, I, I went to him. I said, Gene, I really want to be a great player. 
And I said, but I need help with understanding what we're doing. He said, man, I'm glad you came to me. He said, mm. you got it. Mm-hmm. He said, you really do have it, LeVon. And I'm, I'm just going to show you some th- stuff. And we would meet. And it wasn't really a scheduled time. We'd just kind of meet on the fly. And he just kind of went through things. And he really showed me why we do some of the things mm-hmm. we do. And once he did that, man, the next couple of years, man, I had really no issues as far as understanding what to do. I actually ended up being an all-ACC player that oh, wow. year. Yeah. Uh, the next guy uh, on the pro level, I love Coach Kyle. I love, Coach Kyle. I love you know, the coaching staff we had there. But probably Dick LeBeau, Dick who okay. was a Detroit – he played for Detroit mm-hmm. Lions – and he was a DB. He actually been, ended up being in the Hall of Fame. The way he treated you as a man was mm-hmm. big. Because when you come from college back in the day, in the 80s, um, late 80s, early 90s, coaches would just yell at you, man. They mm-hmm. would just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they would just give it to you <laughs> until you proved yourself worthy and that you can play. Right. They would just give it to you. Just they, It was always yelling. And I am not, like, I didn't mind it, but it, it wasn't always a good way. I get to the NFL, and Coach LeBeau is talking to you like a man. Oh, wow. You know, okay. and he's addressing you like, hey, you need to do next time, make sure you do this. Mm-hmm. And he was really explaining it right, and right. also telling you why we right. do what we did yeah. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we had some great teams, some great defenses. And he used to do, at Christmas time, he used to do the Christmas Carol. Uh, the night before Christmas or something like that. And every we had grown men in there just like, wow, just looking at him tell that story. And so um, he was just a tremendous man. He just knew how to treat you. And then he knew, like, everybody in your family. Right, and right, right, right. I, rem- I mean, he would just send you notes. And it was really cool. I mean, to see a coach do that, to send you, like, you know, uh, thank you notes or mm-hmm. whatever like that was mm-hmm. tremendous. So those were my three favorite coaches. It's very thoughtful, very thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah, so so it sounds like, you know, in, in the, the book, and thank you for writing uh, something on the forward of my book, mm-hmm. Who's Eating Your Pie. Uh, one of the things we talk about in that, and I did martial arts for years, and you know, they right. were instructors, and um, uh, one of my guests is going to be Grandmaster Kim, who was one of my okay. instructors for a while. He was two-time instructor for, for the U.S. Olympics as well. Right. But in that, in that we talk about mentoring or finding mm-hmm. somebody. If you were a kid listening to this and you're interested in football or you're right. in college and, and you say, I want to be like LeVon Kirkland. I mean, I, I want to learn or I want mm-hmm. to study. What, what advice would you give them? You know, I would talk about habits. I, I would talk about mindset. And I would probably first start with a mindset. And I would try to see where the guy, the the young athlete is going, what was he thinking? And then we start talking about being positive and mm-hmm. how to talk to yourself in a certain way. Because the game is is a tough game. It's it's a game that requires your physical um, your physicalness. It requires you being mentally there and also emotionally there. So mm-hmm. it's everything. So I, we would start talking about the mindset and how the mind can carry you to great places, or the mind can take you in the other direction. Mm. So we'll go really there true. first, yeah. talking about the mind, <clears throat> how important it is and how it leads you to your future. And then we'll start talking about habits because as an NFL player or any athlete, you really have to have good habits. And mm-hmm. it has to be more consistent than anything. And when I really took off as an NFL player, um, it, it was kind of like I did the mindset. I went to Hawaii. I wasn't a part of the Pro Bowl. And I just told myself, next year I'm going to be here as a player. Oh, wow. I'm going to come as a player. And I, I started working my habits mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. more. And, like, what do you what do you have to do to be a Pro Bowl player? And I think it's like, well, you got to start thinking like one. you got to mm-hmm. start really acting like a Pro Bowl oh, player. Wow, yeah. And I started doing that, and I was like, what would a Pro Bowl player do? Well, he wouldn't just train just one, one, one time out of the day. He would train twice. Wow. That's what. Yeah, I, yeah. That's the guy who's want to take it to the next level. He's going to do a little bit more, and right, he's right. going to be really consistent about it. And I really started being very consistent about what I do, when I wake up, mm. when I practice. I started planning out my days every mm-hmm. day, and I started writing down, you know, I want to be a Pro Bowl linebacker. 
Right, you know? right. And it wasn't easy being a pro, but I kept writing it every single day. And I kept, and my routine just kept doing, going mm-hmm. that way. But mm-hmm. my mindset was really, I started thinking, I'm a Pro Bowl player. And I started acting like a Pro Bowl player. Right, right. Even though I wasn't at the time. Right. I started like, yeah, I'm going to be this. I am a Pro Bowl player. And I would write those goals down, and it manifested itself. And I got to my first Pro Bowl. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so you write the goals down, and you, mm-hmm. you, you change your mindset, and yeah. you, you try to build, build steps to, to become yeah, a and person. And I think being intentional with your mornings, being intentional with mm-hmm. your days, understanding that you got to plan it out. It's just right. not going to happen for you. You have right. to really be intentional and say, at 6 a.m., I am waking up. Uh, and sometimes you may not always get it perfect. Right. But right. As, as long as you can work it in. And I started working that in. You right. know, I, I guess right. I heard it from somewhere, and I started practicing it, and it worked out for me. That's super. That's yeah. super. Uh, almost everyone I've met who's uh, experienced a level of success that you've experienced has also had some setbacks along the way. Yeah, no question. And some things that hurt and some things that, that you learn from. So if you do the sense you're comfortable, maybe share a setback you, you've had and what you learned and how that made you better and, and, and stronger uh, moving forward. Wow, this is this happened to me young, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, as a ninth grader, you go and it's a transitional year, you know, from the eighth grade, junior totally. high, ninth grade, your high school, and I was always in love with football, but then there was kind of a distraction called girls, <laughs> and you know, you, and I really was a guy who really didn't have to study a lot, going from first grade to the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Ninth grade is a little different. And I just, I focused on playing football and just having fun. And my grades were not good at all. And my father was uh, my first compliance officer, if you know what a compliance officer is. And he was like, "Uh, you're not playing any more sports until you get these grades up. Uh, This is not, this is not what we do. And... I was like, I was angry at him because I thought it was unfair. And I actually, there were coaches and people that would kind of mm-hmm. try to talk to my dad. Like, just let him, you know, let him, let him keep going, let him keep playing. But he was like, no way. Wow. And I was just really upset. And I had to, I, I had to go to summer school that year. And that's no fun. <laughs> going to summer school during the summertime, you're in ninth grade. You just yeah. want to play. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and But I realized that it wasn't his fault, you know, even though I was upset with him. Mm-hmm. He was being just being a good father. He right. wasn't, you know, I, right. and he wasn't going to let me do something, but I'm not getting the pride, you know, the, uh, the most important things done. And he, he sat me down, man, and I went to summer school, and it was – it was rough at first, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, you know, it's, this is my fault." Sure, you know, sure. And I need to, I need to do strong. better. Yeah. yeah. Even at that age, I was like, mm-hmm. I, "It's it's on me." Yeah. And so I I kind of just kind of stiffened up and and got that done. So that that's not the end of my issues or problems, but that was one that I realized that. In order for me to do what I want to do, I have to mm-hmm. take responsibility for it. So, That's my it. father taught me a lesson real early, and then, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I thought that because I could play, that it was going to be okay. You know, most, you know, when most parents, you know, if your kid is a good athlete, sure, sure. they kind of give them a little bit of a leeway. That's true. Not my dad. Not your dad. No, <laughs> no way. It, it was like I, <laughs> I mean, we did so many chores and all that stuff that. My dad was like he didn't care. He he was such a he he was such a man of God. The his most yeah. important thing was for me to be a Christian and be a good man. Wow. He could care less about. I, well, I, I take that back. I think he was proud of what I did, but that wasn't the most important thing. And so he would right. always right. push the most important thing. That's so, powerful. Yeah. yeah, I learned from that. I really did. Yeah. Your dad says it sounds like he, he was an incredible man for yeah, sure. Yeah, he was. Uh, would you mind you did some, a little bit about your mom too? I mean, she, she obviously was a this big is, influence as this well. This is the cool thing about yeah. my mom now. My dad was more so of the quiet storm, really nice man, would give you the shirt off his back, that kind of really hard right, worker. Right. My mom was the athlete. And is that she, right? Yeah, she played basketball in high school. 
So that mentality kind of passed on to me. Okay. So, you know, when you're talking to her teammates, they tell you tell you how good she was, how what right? how intense she mm -hmm. was, and and she had this presence about her that was <laughs> was no joke. <laughs> if you were in church and she looked back, that means you're in trouble. So um, <laughs> I, I and then you know one of the things because my father because he did so much. He worked during the weekday. He he had his own business. He he was a barber on the uh, Fridays and Saturdays. And he also ministered on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a lot of, you know, like me, me and him having a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. So my mother would really, she was the one to watch the games with me. Mm -hmm. So I used to be a big lover of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And she would watch with me. And she actually taught my brothers how to play basketball. Is that right? Yeah. So I really think that my mom was really the the heart and soul of our family. She kept it together. And you got to realize, she was born in probably 1936. Mm -hmm. That was probably not a good time for African-American women back in that day. Right. So you had to be a strong lady to right. hang in there, especially in the South. Mm -hmm. So she was a strong lady. She didn't. You know, she didn't take anything from anybody. And she kind of taught us that, like, you're Kirkland. You, right. you don't, t you know, there's nobody better than you. She would tell us that all the time. Mm. And um, when I came up in the football ranks, I kind of believed that. I, mm -hmm. I never thought mm -hmm. that anybody was better. But she brought us that athletic kind of proudness. And <laughs> my brothers and sisters, we all say, you know, you don't want the Helen Kirkland to come out in us. <laughs> <laughs> because if you get the Helen Kirkland out in with us, bad, right? you got problems. That's so bad. yeah, that's, that's my mom. She was she was wonderful, man. Great athlete, just a strong woman. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So so you, you grew up in South Carolina mm -hmm. and you grew up in a small town. Right. How do you think growing up in a small town has shaped you? Wow, it, it exposed me to a lot, a lot of stuff. Like really, especially one of the things is just really hard work. Mm -hmm. And hard work at a young age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you were, you were out in the garden. You did, you know, you you cut the grass. Um, you know, back then men could build. You know, they could build like houses and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. you you learn a lot about that. So it wasn't that I got exposed to a lot of things outside of the world, outside of that community. But I was really exposed to family, uh, faith. Uh, and really just hard work. And my father made sure, my mother and father made sure that we all, uh, it's eight of us, they made sure we all got along. Mm -hmm. You know, that was mm -hmm. important for them, for us to get along and take care of each other. So that's what I got from being from a small town. You know, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. a lot, you're not exposed to a great deal, but the things that I was exposed to really helped me as I went on to Clemson and Pittsburgh. That's great. Yeah. That's great. What fuels you today? Wow, you know, I think about the last name, Kirkland, and I think about my parents who have gone on now. I think about my wife who also passed away, mm -hmm. my brother. And I just feel like that Kirkland name means a whole lot. It means a whole lot to me. It's one of my motivating factors. I also think young people, too, because I was the youngest boy, <laughs> and being mm -hmm. the youngest son mm -hmm. is... <laughs> It's like you're you're catching up all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody's bigger, everybody's stronger, everybody's smarter. I mean, and you're kind of like that, like that little puppy in the uh, litter. You're just trying to catch on. You're trying to catch on. And I've always had this thing for younger athletes or anybody younger than me. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want them to go through, you know, just being, you know, teased and not helped. And um, I always. I always want to, you know, maybe guide them for mm -hmm. whatever reason. I, I have that spirit about me. But, man, the Kirkland name really um, does it for me. And Clemson in 2000, 2019, I got elected to be in the ring of honor. And they put mm -hmm. your name on the stadium mm -hmm. and all that. I thought they retired your number, but they don't, they don't mm -hmm. really retire your number, but they recognize you. Okay. And it's really it's, it's tough to get there. I mean, you got to graduate from Clemson. There's some other factors in there. It's just not all about your athletic ability. Mm -hmm. So um, I, got a, I got selected to that, and I remember seeing that, and a guy asked me a question. He was just like, what it means to have your, you know, your name going to be on the stadium? And I said, you know what? I think about my father and mother. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think about one time um, my father, me and him were having a conversation. He's like, I never thought a son of mine would go to the, you know, go to Clemson mm-hmm. and do as well. And I was like, what makes you say that? He said, well, son, in my day, we couldn't go through the front door. Mm. Wow. And I was like, wow. But now the last name is on the stadium. Wow. At one point in time, huge. could not walk through the door. And wow. now in 2019, um, his his son name is on the stadium. So it just really meant that Kirkland man, name means a whole lot to me. That, that, that's 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 very powerful. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. If you were to meet your your younger self, say you're 20 years years old, what mm-hmm. what advice would you give yourself today? Just want to start wringing his neck. Yeah, you know, you know, actually, I look back. 20 years old, I was a pretty good kid. Uh, you know, one of the things that I would probably suggest to him and to any other young athlete is make sure you're not doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, find, that means find some mentors, network, mm-hmm. you know. Um, make sure that you're not just known in the athletic realm, but also in the academic realm as well. Get to know your professors. Mm-hmm. Get to talk to people. Get a different perspective. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when we're 20 years old, especially men, we don't really have it quite up here just yet. Right, right. Uh, right. So you, you need that solid advice. I mean, and sometimes because I, I I play with guys, man, who didn't have that environment. Man, I had a strong a strong mother and father, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of guys who didn't have that that home environment. And I'm not going to say single moms because I feel like s- single moms they handle their business um, just as well sometimes. Right. I, I mean, I there were some guys who had some some circumstances, some environment, man, that. Wasn't really good, especially oh, right. in the NFL. I got to know some other guys who were they were involved in gangs. I mean, some guys were homeless mm. for a while. And I think when you get to college or you're 20 years old, man, um, surround yourself. Um, pick your team. Pick mm-hmm. your own team. Mm-hmm. People you want mm-hmm. to have there to advise you to help you along this journey because. You, you know, you just can't do it yourself. And a lot of times I know as men, we got this macho thing on this bravado that we feel like um, here I get, uh, here I go again on my own and I'm walking this path and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I got these broad shoulders. But, you know, even when you're that way, there are things that happen in life that you need help and you need guidance. So I would tell my 20-year-old to not be so you know, closed off. Make mm-hmm. sure you get mm-hmm. to know people, especially people who are smarter and more experienced than yourself. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, so you, uh, in talking to you, I've, I've learned you've learned a lot from your mom, from, right. your, from your dad, from your, your coaches, and in and, and the small town. So, you, you've learned a lot. How, how do you now? How do you plan to to pay that forward? Yeah. Well, I really feel like your knowledge and your experiences is more than about you. I, I feel like God put you on this earth not only to create but also give back mm-hmm. and I think one of the ways that I do a good job of giving back is I do a lot of speaking engagements I I've been doing coaches coaching uh, doing the all season working with camps and I always try to give that knowledge and experience you know mm-hmm. uh, I coach on a college level and you just try to give back. You don't you, you don't want to hold that in for the rest of your life and take it to the grave. You want to make sure you're giving it back to others. And I feel like that's my way of doing it. You know, mm-hmm. and it may not be the conventional way. It may not be coaching a team for twenty or something years, but maybe we can do some life coaching. We can talk about what. Uh, what do you really want to do and how, and I really, especially with athletes, uh, especially when I came up, we were guys that, you know, you just kind of like, I'm playing football and you're not thinking about anything else. Uh, I want to be the person to say, Hey man, you can do various things. I want you to be mobile. I want you to be able to do a lot and use football as a great platform. Hmm. So that's how I feel. I feel like I'm giving my knowledge and experience back, you know, and, it's something that I'm really willing to give back. And I think a lot of people, especially a lot of men, especially a lot of athletes, they need that guidance because, mm-hmm. you know, I've coached on all three levels, high school, college, and professional, mm-hmm. and I played on all three levels. I right. mean, I don't know how many guys really have that kind of experience, and I feel like it's my responsibility to give it back. 
That's great. That's yeah. great. Well, I know when I in knowing you and knowing Keisha and, mm-hmm. and Kennedy, and also in, in in watching you on social media from time to time, you'll, you'll post something in, in, in yeah. honor of Keisha. Right. Uh, how would you talk to somebody and encourage them who, who's experienced a loss? Ooh, you know, um, Eric, I was devastated when um, when she got diagnosed because. You know, it was lung cancer, and I'm th- <laughs> I was naive to think that that only happened to smokers. And I think it's kind of advertised that it kind of only happens to smokers, mm-hmm. but um, it can happen to anyone. And I just remember her fighting her fight in, you know, the last, her last day, and just, um, I remember um, being with her the night before and going to bed. I thought, like, okay, she'll be here for another day, you know, for the rest of the week. I kind of thought she'll be here. And I had hope, even though the doctors told me that there was nothing more we could do and these are our final days. And, I mean, you talking about a big linebacker just breaking down and crying. Oh, I can't, yeah. yeah, so, because uh, Keisha was really like a coach to me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, she really helped me get back into school, graduate. Uh, we were on the path that I'm on now. We were on that path earlier mm-hmm. uh the things that you see me doing now we were we were doing that we of were course. setting it up oh, yeah. like that yeah. and uh when she passed it, i mean it was devastating it was devastating and i really did not know what to do i had a young <laughs> i had a 11 year old girl mm-hmm. i'm this guy i don't know what i'm doing i'm like I, I don't know how to do this how, how am i going to do this and i would say to anyone who goes through that don't do it by yourself. Because mm. uh, I know, you know what people always tell you? They tell you, be strong. Right. Like, be strong. Right, right. Man, I just lost my wife. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm human. Right. I, I, there's no way I'm going to be strong in this situation. Mm-hmm. Not immediately. I need help. And I think also the problem, too, is people, they promise things that they can't really deliver on. They mm. say, hey, if you need anything, right. let me know. Sure. If you need anything, let me know. I'm here for you. And one of the things that happened was after her funeral, uh, that's the first night that you're you're going to bed by yourself. And oh, man. Everybody else is, well, in your mind, everybody else mm-hmm. is going with their significant mm-hmm. other. They have, you know, um, even my in-laws, you know, they had each other to kind mm-hmm. of lean on. Right, right. And I really didn't have anybody to mm-hmm. lean on. And I just remember that day, and it was just like, gosh, it's not coming back. You know, mm. um, what am I going to do? I, I just didn't really know what to do. And I, and I was a kind of guy that was, you know, I this journey I did to go to, to be a, a football player, it was kind of a journey of my own. Mm-hmm. I, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, I was I always focused on, you know, making sure I'm a great athlete. So you you're kind of trained in a way where you're like, get up, you can do it, blah blah blah. Sure. But in this situation, uh, I needed uh, help, and I didn't really seek help at first. Mm. And I think one of the things, especially with African American men, is we don't want to get help. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. we don't go to the doctors. We don't go to uh, a therapist just to talk and just mm-hmm. to realize that, dude, you're, you're a human, man. Mm-hmm. You, you, you need help. You need people. And it, and it wasn't like um, like people wasn't reaching out. Like my brothers and sisters, man, mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. were there for me and there were people there for me, but I was just silent in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it was, it was tougher than it probably should have been, even though it's probably one of the toughest things that, you have to get through. So I would, my advice would be make sure, um, you know, everybody grieves differently. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I would say, man, you know, have people check in on you. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. say, just check in on me. Right. See, even if you don't want to deal with them that day or whatever, just have your loved ones check in on you just to that's see good. how you're doing. It's because you're in your head. And that's why mindset is so important. And you want to make sure that you're in the right state of mind. Uh-huh. Know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. We've learned a lot from a lot of people, and that's very, very helpful advice mm-hmm. you're, you're giving. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's a big deal. And I've, I've learned, learned something in that as well. Um, 
what would you say uh, when you look around today? Who, who are people who, who are your, your, your heroes? Wow, there are more people that I'm reading about more so mm-hmm. than anything. Um, mm-hmm. Now, my oldest and bro- my older brothers and sisters are all my heroes, mm-hmm. and my younger sister. They're all my favorites. Mm-hmm. They are. Um, when we were going through the storm with our mother, of my father being sick, this mm-hmm. is the same time Keisha is being sick. Oh wow. Uh, my brother, my oldest brother, passed away. Then my father <coughs> passed away about two years later. Then Keisha, who's really close with my dad, mm-hmm. she passed away. And then my mother passed away the year after that. Mm-hmm. I got let go by FAMU, <laughs> so I oh. lost. <laughs> I lost my job. <laughs> oh, come on. And Mar- and yeah, we oh. were get- we we're gonna all get fired. And mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I- I'm devastated. I am, but. Um, Gosh, you know, this is what I've done, Eric. I, I can't. There are a lot of people now that I'm listening to on podcasts, mm-hmm. and I used to be a big sports. Mm-hmm. I used to watch a lot of talk sports shows, talk shows, mm-hmm. and you know they have become so opinionated, and it's, they are arguing about who's better, LeBron James or Michael right. Jordan. I right. mean, they're both pretty good. Right. I mean, right. but I I started going on a journey. Like I want to be taught, and I want to I want to learn. So, if you're not teaching me, if you're not informing me, even with the news, if you're not informing me, mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch it. Right. I, right. I'm going to listen to different people who are going to help me. So, there's a lot of podcasters that I don't really know by name right, right now. Right. Sure. But I, you know, who I really like, though, guy, like is Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. And right. I'm sure people think, oh, he's fluff, but you know, I. I I don't really get too involved with a messenger. I don't know what it's about. Right. I would love to meet him. Right, so if right. you're listening, let's meet. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I like his message. And Absolutely. I like some of the different things that he's doing. So I'm always in search of, you know, what methods work better, especially mm-hmm. going back to get my master's in psychology. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to learn how the human works and how society works and just so I just got a lot of people that I'm thinking about that are helpful to me. But my brothers and sisters by far have been very big for me. And that's one of the reasons why I moved back home is to be closer to them. My daughter Kennedy, uh, even though she's younger, uh, sometimes I have to read a law book to debate with her. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> when you have a young girl, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you remember how Keisha was, right? Oh yeah, you see Keisha twice. No, I mean, <laughs> you if you're gonna if you're gonna challenge her, you better bring it because she knows how to bring it. So, but she's taught me a lot of. You know, it's kind of cool being a parent, and yeah. your your child is teaching you as well. So, I would say my family have been like my biggest biggest uh, teachers and supporters. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, when you were talking earlier, you said like you know it was mindset, right. and then it was habits, and you right. you said you get up at six o'clock as an example, and you know you'd plan your workout and you work out twice instead of once because that's what a, a pro bowler would do. Right. How do you balance life today? It's really I, I had to go. I kind of had to go back there because when Keisha died, it was it, I was scrambling to mm-hmm. be honest with you. I was struggling. And I just didn't know what to do. I got into, you know, when I was in Arizona, I was coaching there and I was let go. I I was in a dark place and, you know, I was, I guess people call it depressed. But, you know, the funny thing about depression, it really kind of, it wants to show you that we need to change. Mm. A lot of people don't look at depression that way. They look Mm. at it like, oh, my God, it's bad, it's terrible. We don't want to be. But depression, just like anything, the law of nature is trying to say, do we need to do something different? We're mm-hmm. not, we're mm-hmm. it, we're trapped and mm-hmm. we need to get out of this trap. Oh, wow. I was there in Arizona by myself. So I decided, okay, let me move back to South Carolina, be closer to family. And then I, I, I just immersed myself in reading and it was something that I already knew anyway, because mm-hmm. I played on such a high level. And I was like, it's Levon, you got to start changing your habits. You got to start planning your days. Like you, you remember how you used to do it, right? And right. How you used to write, you know, you used to write dear God letters. You got to reflect. You got to, and so I started saying like, okay, what do I want some of my habits to be? Like, who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Who do I want to serve? And I 
I went back there. Yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's it's difficult. It's a and I had to do it every day. Like mm-hmm. who you want to be every day. I guess it's just like, you know, if you maybe had an addiction and you're trying to get away from that, you know, it's a day to day battle all the time, especially with your mindset, because your oh, mindset yeah. can drift a little bit on mm-hmm. you. So you have to make sure that you can order your steps. And so I just started ordering my steps. And mm-hmm. once I started doing that, man, I, I saw things kind of looking up. It's not always easy. I start, I'm, I'm kind of like you now. Uh, my father was like this. You know, you have that entrepreneur spirit about yourself. Mm-hmm. And you start mm-hmm. saying, I, I got to get it done. Oh, you know, sure. I, yeah, sure. I got to breathe. You know, I got to eat, sleep, and breathe this thing. If I'm going to be where I need to be, and I was like that with football, I was mm-hmm. I I I was so immersed into it, and then I realized if I want to be an entrepreneur, if I want to do things on my own, you know, on my own, I have to really emerge into it. So now, right. this the idle time is just out, you know, going to bed earlier, waking up, priming my body, working out. Uh, that's what I do, and it's I, went, I basically went back to having that good mindset mm-hmm. and creating those and creating those um, habits every day and understand where I want to be, who I am. Right. Yeah. And you were talking earlier, you, you, you're one of the few people, you know, who's, who's coached and played both mm-hmm. high school, college and professional. Um, but, but, but more than that, you, you've been involved in playoff games right. at, 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 at the professional level. Mm-hmm. What's it like to get ready for a playoff game? And is there a play in a playoff game that stands out to you in, in your memory? And how did that play change you? Wow. Uh, the playoffs are intense. Uh, it's preseason is one level. Regular season is another level. But the playoffs – it's just another level. I mean, the game is going faster. It's more, I mean, the game is going harder. I mean, it counts, especially in football, because you only have that one game. If you don't play well that one game, you're going to be out. Right, you're right. You're going right. to be out of the tournament, <clears throat> playoffs, or whatever you want to call it. So I love the playoffs. That's, even when people ask me about misplaying, I miss playing in the playoffs. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's, I think the NFL playoffs are the best. And I love the playoffs because, May you're fired up. May you, mm-hmm. I mean, it's what you've been thinking about all your life, you know, especially to get to the Super Bowl. So the the thing that changed me and it really helped my mentality was and I'm, it's a story. So it's not one particular play, but it mm-hmm. is a story. Okay. Uh, we were going to, we're, we're in the Super Bowl and this guy named Matt Millen, and I don't know if a lot of people know Matt Millen, you should. He, he's won five Super Bowl as, as a player. Mm. And he was a commentary. I mean, he was uh, he was a play by play, very good. Okay. Probably at during his time, he was probably next to John Madden at the time. Oh wow! As being, he's probably the number two guy. John mm. Madden's probably the number one guy. And he was a linebacker. And he was mm. kind of like me as a linebacker, a big linebacker, mm. uh, tough guy. And we're in the locker room before the playoffs, and this guy named Alvoy Mays was a teammate of Matt. And mm. Matt gave him a message to give to me. Mm. And so Alvoy comes around. He's like, Kirk, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, what do you want, man? It's like, I'm about to go out here in the playoffs. And <laughs> he's like, well, Matt wanted, he said, you, you know who Matt Millen is? I was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, well, Matt wanted, to tell, wanted me to tell you something. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. He said, he thinks you're the dark horse of the team. And what he means by dark horse of the team is the guy that may not get a lot of recognition, mm-hmm. but is the guy that's the, he, he's the glue. He's the mm-hmm. guy who's mm-hmm. a um, hard worker. So he was telling me that. And he was saying, you know what, LeVon, you're seeing the right things. You're just not trusting it. He's mm-hmm. like, tonight, trust your eyes. Oh, wow. And he said that, I'm like, it was an aha moment. I'm like, oh, wow. wow. Because what he was saying was, you're seeing it, but you don't believe it. I you see. need to believe right. in what you're seeing right. and trust it. And from that game, I was like, I'm trusting everything I see. The first play, I stepped the wrong way, and they got like 20-something yards. But, <laughs> but I shook it off, and I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> and I end up having probably – one of my better games 
at the uh, Super Bowl. And I, thought, and I thought about the Super Bowl as a kid. You think about making these plays, and I end up sacking Troy Aikman, right? Oh, wow. And I'm thinking to myself, Man, if we win this game, I'm going to get the MVP. I'm gonna, I, you know, we're going to win this game. I started thinking that after I got sacked. And then I went to the sideline, and I was like, you know what? We win this game. I might win MVP. Oh, wow. The next play, they th- we throw an interception. Oh, <laughs> it runs it back man. to the five-yard line. Oh, they end no. up scoring. But the most important lesson I got from that was yeah. you got to trust your eyes. Right. You got to yeah. believe in what you see. Yeah. And you just got to go forward. Yeah. And – that carried me for a long time. And then uh, and the next year, I, I made a Pro Bowl. And then the year after that, I was voted as the linebacker of the year. And through that decade, at the very end of it, I was I was um, put on the all-decade team in the NFL for the oh, 90s. Whoa. So that's pretty – that's not a bad deal for a guy who um, came from a really small town. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Now, what's it like seeing yourself on fantasy football? That's crazy to me. <laughs> you, you know one of the funniest and things? And you pick yourself when you play. <laughs> that's the, you know, I used to do that when I played uh, Madden. Yeah. That's the wrong thing because yeah. you're like, you're focusing so much on making the plays being yourself. Right. Sometimes just leave yourself alone and yeah. let it work out. But the funniest thing is when I used to get players, when I went to Philly my last year, yeah. and you get guys that are rookies like, hey, man, oh, they they call you Mr. Kirkland. They'd be like, right, right. Mr. Kirkland, like, no need for that. It's like, man, I remember playing you on PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, I remember you get a full-grown man that comes up to you and say, I remember you as a, and when I was a kid. And yeah. I, that's the reason why I wore 44. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> boy, have I aged throughout the years. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's cool. It really right. is. You know, I remember my, my son and daughter uh, saying, Dad, do you know that you're on the <laughs> – that you're on Madden? I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, they're doing this thing with teams and they're picking some of the best players and you're on Madden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this last one. And I was like, wow. It's like, what's my ranking? They were like, man, you got a pretty high ranking, 97 or something like that. And then one of my former players, uh, we used to we rip on each other. And mm-hmm. he was just like, I can't believe you got like a 97 on John uh, on Madden, blah blah blah. <laughs> so it's it's a really cool thing. It, it really and I haven't played since 2003. And for people to remember the work he did, hmm. uh, it's it's always amazing to me. I'm I'm really cool about it. I don't I never mind signing autographs or taking pictures because uh, it's something that God was really. I mean, he really grace me with it and mm-hmm. i just try to do the very best i could can with it but i think it's kind of funny that people just like oh man i played you i used to play you a man blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah. That's awesome. I, I think it's kind of cool I think that's it's awesome cool. yes that's awesome mm-hmm. that's awesome when i was 12 years old and i had somebody ask me a question that i yeah. thought was really odd mm-hmm. to ask a 12 year old and i was trying to set goals and he said stop and take a minute mm-hmm. and write down what you would want written on your epitaph. Who do right. you want to be remembered as? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. That is that's pretty, a, that's yeah. a heavy, heavy, heavy question. For a 12-year-old, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Course, and I was yeah. like, and it, it really didn't take much time to think about it until I became a little bit older. Because I thought, first thing I thought, that guy's a weird, a weirdo, you know. <laughs> then I started thinking about it. He goes, well, he was kind of saying, you know, think about who you are and then, yeah. and then live to be that person. So mm-hmm. who do you want to be re- remembered as? You know, for my kids, I want to be uh, a father that they loved mm-hmm. and that they know I love them. I, I want to be, I want people to, to know this, that I am a lover of people. I am an encourager. Uh, that I was a hard worker and that I left a legacy um, for people to carry on. I, when I'm when I'm gone, I want people to uh, to carry on the good works that I'm trying to do as far as helping helping students, especially student athletes. I, I want that work to be carried on because you know we just need encouragement. We need to be educated. We need to be empowered, and we need to be encouraged. And I, those three things, what I call the three E system. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want people to say, "Man, he tried to educate us. He tried to empower us. And he definitely tried to encourage us." So it would be those three E's. That's what I want. 
That's fantastic. That's powerful. I'm right. I'm writing that down. Write it really down, good. man. Write it yeah, down. Man. That's good stuff. You know, we all do that. I mean, that's yeah. what we all should probably be doing is empowering and and educating and encouraging folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's real good. Mm-hmm. You, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but maybe it's ten, maybe twelve years ago now. Okay. I had you come down and, and speak to a, a group of mine. Right. Yeah. And I had, had a group, and mm-hmm. uh, we had a group of folks together, and they were excited to hear you. Right. And you gave an encouraging uh, speech, and and you, you talked. Do, do you do you do uh, much of that these days? Because I thought you were excellent at it. Uh-huh. And I was going to ask if somebody here would love to have you do that. How, 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 how would they get in, in in touch with you? To well, uh, you can to probably get in speech. touch with me really through the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. I'm actually got my website. Uh, out levonkirkland.com you can contact me that way I'm on Facebook if you really want to contact me you can do it that way as well Mm -hmm. but yeah you know I just did a I was a keynote speaker at Tri-County last week and uh, I I don't know why I like speaking but I do and I think it's because my father was a minister and people ask me are you going to be a minister I'm like no (laughs) way Jose Uh -uh. I got a sister-in-law and a sister that's a that's in ministry and I just I don't I never thought about being a church leader I always thought that you know ministry could be in other facets and I thought like you know me helping people out and encouraging them and educating them and trying to empower them that's my ministry so uh but yeah so if people wanted to have me talk to them, I can kind of talk to them about what how my football journey relates to life and how life relates to af- athletics and about our mindset and how powerful it is. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to do that, man, you can contact me through the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, which is www.scfootball, spelled out, H-O-F uh, dot, dot org. If, uh, so that's one way. And then LavonKirkland.com. You can contact me that way. And I'm on all the social media. So, Yeah. yeah. And last question. Um, I, and I know that, and, and I was r- really pleased to hear that you were inducted into the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. Yes. And now you're affiliated with them. So yes. tell me kind of what you do there and what's the purpose of that organization? Well, you know, I always wanted to, when I saw, when I see athletes get in trouble or something like that, it always kind of breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. I know some people are a little bit more cynical about it, but because I was a an athlete or a student athlete, man, I wanted to reach out. So for a long time, I always wonder, like, what what could I possibly do that could give back to athletes? That's one of the things I always wanted to do. And uh, once I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame, I met Mike Foster and David Wyatt. And this is big. They were like a two-man show. Mm-hmm. Incredible work that they do. And I thought about it. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do this by myself. Like, who can I connect with? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they wanted to connect with me. We connected together. And it, it was like, wow, okay, this is who I want to be a part of. And, you know, nobody really else uh, that has been nominated really thought about let let me work with them mm-hmm. and um i think it's powerful message that we can send out to our students to the state of south carolina uh, one of the issues that we have eric if, i don't know if you're aware but we're like ranked um our students are ranked 43rd in the nation as far as wow. co- uh, college and career readiness mm. uh, we felt like <laughs> Nobody wants to be, hey, we're 43rd. We're 43rd. We're 43rd. So we felt like that's a problem and um, that we can be the solution to the problem. And we felt like, you know, let's work with other programs that are out there. Instead of competing with other programs, if you have a program in Florence, we wanted to make sure that everybody in Florence knew about your program Mm -hmm. or everybody in Greenville knew about your program. So we mm-hmm. wanted to bring it together. I think a lot of people are out there and they understand the concerns, mm-hmm. but we wanted to make sure that we could bring it together. And then with our, our Hall of Fame, we always did a Hall of Fame for our great players. And mm-hmm. in South Carolina, that's what we have. We have a rich tradition in football, but we thought like, you know what? We need to touch back. We need to go back to the high school too. Let's recognize mm-hmm. some of the high school players or student athletes who are doing well. Mm-hmm. And so we started the Bridge Builders Excellence Award, mm. which 
nominates 10 guys, and we do it Heisman, Heisman Trophy style where nobody knows who's going to win. Okay. And um, we, we do these interviews before, which I do the interviews with the guys. We bring them in, and we announce a winner. Mm. And we not only want to be like, hey, congratulations, we want to give you more than a revival experience. If you know what I mean by revival experience, it's when, you know, you go to revival for a whole week and you're fired right, up. Right, right, right. Boy, you want to live for Christ. But then the minister goes in about two weeks, you kind of lose that momentum. Right. So we want to be a program that is really want to, we want to be with that student, those guys for the rest of their lives. Right, right. So we want to be a resource for them, a network for them. So uh, they don't have to worry about, you know, when I get out in the world that I'm by myself. They mm. can always come back and say, you know, hey, I'm, I want to do this. How can you guys help us? And I feel like that's the way we help. And um, our next step, I think, is um, we want to create that student. So we mm. already nominate guys, but that's like maybe one out of ten guys. Mm -hmm. We want to create those guys. We want to create those bridge builders, excellent students. So um, I feel that we're going to be doing summits that's going to be helping um, our kids who are not getting the help to understand how playing football and the life skills that football teaches you, how that can help you in other realms. Wow. So that's how I see it. And uh, when we talk about legacy, I, I want that to be carried on. Uh, forever. So we want to make sure that we're in their lives for the long haul. It's not just we do this one program and you mm -hmm. get out of this program and, hey, good luck to you. Right, we want right. to make sure that you are, that you loved and you embrace for the rest of your life. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. Thank you. Well, Yvonne, I, I could talk to you for hours, hours know, on. Man. It's been a, been, a great, been a great time having you on the show. Yeah, I miss you, man. Mm -hmm. I miss our movies and all the times when you remember we used to do the steaks and stuff for yeah. the boys. And yeah, that's it. You used, to, you used to crack me up where you'd be like, <laughs> you used to always mimic your boys and be like, steak again, daddy? <laughs> yeah. Are we actually eating steak? <laughs> He's like, you guys don't know how good you got it. Yeah. Also remember our kids getting along so they well. They did. That's true. I mean, That's true. Kennedy and the boys really got along very well, and it was just really cool. And uh, Keisha really loved your family, man, and um, we miss you guys. We do. Yeah. We, 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 we sort of miss you as well, and it's yeah. good to have you back in South Carolina. Yeah, it is good to be back yeah. in South Carolina. It is. Great, great. Well, thanks again. Man, thank you, having brother. You. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for joining LaVon Kirkland and I on Stuttering Your Way to Success today. I hope you learned something. I certainly did. I'm leaving here more encouraged, more inspired, and I hope you are as well. Thank you for tuning in today. It means a lot to me that you showed up, and I hope you're leaving this show with that extra motivation and inspiration you're looking for. If you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe rate, and review the show. And if you want to connect, my email and social media channels will all be linked in the show notes. Until next time, keep stuttering your way to success.